Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of So What Else. I'm your host, Caitlin. As you know, So What Else is a story-based podcast. So today we have Sarah Gonzalez. You might know her as Sarah Lewis, but she's on today to share her story. She has a new name because she's a newlywed. But you've heard me talk about Sarah before on SWE episodes. You guys probably remember Emily and I talking about how we got hooked on this true crime podcast called Something Was Wrong. And the first season focused on the story of this girl, Sarah, and this relationship relationship that she found herself in. And it's kind of crazy. So listen, this is a long episode. It's basically twice as long as most of our episodes. But you know what? Sometimes Dax has really long episodes on armchair experts. So why can't I, right? Feel free to listen on 1.5 speed or whatever you got to do. But I think you're really going to get sucked into this roller coaster of a story. Also, I just wanted to tell you guys that I love to hang out and chat with you guys during the week on Instagram. I love to chat about the podcast, makeup, dancing with the stars, literally whatever comes to my mind. I absolutely love interacting with you guys on there. So please come and hang out with me at Caitlin Grace Elliott over on Instagram. All right. Enjoy my chat with Sarah. You're going to love it. Sarah, welcome to So What Else. Thanks for being here. Thanks. I'm excited. Yeah. So you're in Tennessee, right? I am now. Yep. Knoxville, Tennessee. Okay. But you were a California native. Northern right? California. Yeah. Around Sacramento. So how was that transition? Uh, it, you know, it's been great. It's real. You know, I think a lot of, I think I idealized it a little bit, but it's mm-hmm. tough, you know, starting over somewhere new because you grew up in the same place. I like, I totally took Google Maps for granted, you know, I didn't yeah. need it at home. And here yep. it's exhausting, you know, to learn everything new, but it's been fun. It's been great. Totally. Love the weather, the changes and everything. And everybody is just so nice. Drivers are crazy. But besides that, I'm, you know, we're adjusting. Oh, that's good. <laughs> you know, I did not know Tennessee was in, cause we're in the same time zone. Yeah. Time zone, There's right? two time zones, which is annoying. Okay. <laughs> so that is in- confusing. Yeah, the western half of Tennessee is central time. Eastern half okay. is in eastern time. Okay. So. Cuz I my niece is in Tennessee in Nashville and I think she's in a different time zone than us. Honestly, it's like so dumb. I'm learning so much about geography doing this podcast, even though it has nothing to do with geography. Like, I can't tell you how many people, like, one guy I interviewed was like, "I'm in Indiana, but no, we're in the same time zone." And I was like, "What?" How is uh, like I like I was like I had no idea like there, I I don't understand time zones at all Texas forget it there's like a bunch of time zones in Texas oh yeah well let me tell you when I first moved uh, to Tennessee I moved to Nashville and my husband but then boyfriend at the time moved to Knoxville my uh, cousin who I work for was like two so she, my boss that I was planning meetings with is two hours ahead my boyfriend was one hour ahead my sister and my family was one hour behind. No. And I'm planning meetings with my sister because I work with her as well. I talk about like... Can't do it. <laughs> nope. Can't do it. I had like this clock spectrum in my brain at all hours of the day. What's everyone doing? Where's everyone at? That is oh. so annoying. That is so annoying. <laughs> I cannot tell you how many times like if I send someone, like if I'm communicating with someone to set up an interview and I'm we're setting up like a Zoom thing, I'm like Googling like 20 <laughs> times. Like it's like obsessive. Like I'm like, time's on. So I said 10. So that means it's her time is 12. And the, uh, like it stresses me out. I hate it. And what 
imagine. So what got really fun and then I'll, you know, I could go on and on about this is when I started switching lives from Nashville to Knoxville and would book an appointment in one city versus the other and have to calculate the two and a half hour drive. But with the time difference, this should not be as difficult as it was. That's that's impossible. That's an impossible. I would just say, and I give up. I'm not doing this. Like that's canceling. (laughs) Yeah, no, I won't be doing that. Oh, that's terrible. Okay. Well, thank goodness we were able to figure this out because we're in the same time zone or else yep, maybe yep. we never would have actually connected. <laughs> but here Could have we been are. Worse. Exactly. Yep. But this is truly surreal for me to talk to you because, okay, way, way back on this podcast, one of our episodes, like literally, I think eight months to a year ago, my sister and I were on and someone was like, what podcast are you listening to? And I was like, oh, I just started listening to this podcast. Something was wrong. And my sister goes, oh my gosh, me too. Like we hadn't even talked about it. And we were like, oh my God. We were like, this is so crazy. And we were like, I am obsessed with this. Like, and I was like, don't tell me the end. Don't tell it. And it was like, we became obsessed with it. And my sister's name is Emily. And so is yours, right? Yeah. Isn't that so creepy? Okay. Yeah. So my sister, Emily would always be like, oh my gosh, if you could get her on your podcast, like I would die. And so then it's like, (laughs) here we are. And I was like, Emily, today's the day. Like, so I'm like fangirling. This is so exciting. It's so funny because it kind of hit, I think all at once and it started to really circulate. And we just had a friend over last night and the friend didn't know about the podcast. I don't know how it, it's not like it comes up, you know, in my life all the time, but it did come up somehow. And she texted a friend of hers who's into true crime and said, oh, you should listen to this. The friend literally texted her back right then and said, I just finished listening to that. That is so. so Kudos to Tiffany, the creator. For real, for real. So like just to tell all the listeners, okay, so what we're talking about is there's this podcast out there called Something Was Wrong. It's like a true crime thing. It's amazing. Tiffany is the host. She does a fantastic job. But now there's like 13 seasons or something. Oh, but yeah. Sarah was season one. Like it wasn't even a thing until you. And it's like your whole story. So listen, her entire story is laid out in like, I want to say 16 episodes or something. So obviously this is like going to be like a one episode thing. So if you are looking for like deep detail and like actual excerpts of like phone calls and things like that. Like after you finish listening to this, head on over to Something Was Wrong season one and you will get like all so much more detail. But we today are still going to get the juice. Don't worry, everyone. We're going to hear the story. And we are though going to focus a lot too though on like your aftermath and like where you've kind of come since then. Because correct me if I'm wrong, uh, something was wrong. You recorded that not that long after the whole situation blew up that we're about to talk about. Yep. Only maybe two months later, I think. Okay. So that was like, you were fresh off of this whole oh, thing. It now was we're like years after and your life obviously looks like way different. So we're going to talk all about that, like your healing journey and all of those things. Yep. But I know everybody is now like chomping at the bit. Like, what are we talking about? Like, what has happened here? So let's just get into it. A few, many years ago, what, what, 2018? I'm going to take you back to the fall of 2017. Okay, okay. The fall of 2017, you're on an app, right? A dating app. Yeah, yeah. So I was living with two roommates. Yeah, I was living with two roommates and we had this fun slash like terrible thing where we would decide we're going to put hope into online dating apps again, but we're going to do it together for moral support. So we would just go on this binge and get on maybe Bumble or Hinge or whatever and send each other, you know, all the funny stories and the screenshots and, you know, so I was on Hinge, not expecting anything. And that's where I met 
the guy I started dating. But okay. so this was fall. Yeah. Fall of 2017. I wasn't necessarily, you know, being super serious. I really loved my life. So I wasn't just like, you know, please, I'll take anybody. But he really right. came out swinging. Like the guy was in guns blazing, coming in hot. Actually, that was that something I mentioned in our very first text conversation was I was like, you know, insert name here, so-and-so coming in hot. And he's like, that's how I roll. Little did I know. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so like you were really drawn to his profile. He, you guys met up pretty soon after you connected on the app, right? Yeah. In fact, we started, I mean, the conversation just took off. He was really quick to reply and really witty. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciated that the way he wrote, like he has an ability to write the way he talks. So mm. I could just feel and practically hear his voice, you know, through his texts. Yeah. And it was really just back and forth, back and forth. And to make it even better, he was out of state at the moment, officiating a friend's wedding. Which is like, you're like, oh. Yeah. Like, what right. an okay, amazing guy. Yes. Yep. What a stand-up guy. And totally. his pictures on his account were really tasteful. Like he wasn't trying too hard, but you could tell he has a good eye. Sure. And I'm obsessed with French bulldogs. He happened to have a picture of a Frenchie on a beach. So I'm like, there, that's my in. Right. You know, and it, it just kind of like took off from there. He was, I'm a sucker. If someone can make me laugh and if they can communicate well in writing, mm-hmm. I'll just, you know, go and go and go. So we went back and forth and did start, I think that very next week, I appreciated that he took initiative and was like, I'm going to come out to you because he lived a couple hours away. Mm-hmm. He didn't play any games. He was like, I'm going to take you to dinner. Or a con- he actually ended up being a concert because I'm going to take right. you out. I'm going to plan it. You don't have to do anything. I love he, that. All I heard, I think he texted me that I was at work and he goes, do you have any dietary restrictions? Which and is I'm so like, sweet. Right. Thinking of everything. And he yeah. shows up at my doorstep with a bouquet in one hand and dinner to go in the other hand. Um. I get in his car and I'm scarfing down this dinner on the way to a concert. He had everything just planned out. We hung out, walking around, talking, and then just sat in my room talking till probably two in the morning that night. And he drove oh. two and a half, maybe three hours back to wow. where he lived that night and went to work the next day. Zero complaints. Just yeah. so sweet. And that's how it took off from there. Um, we so he totally like swept you off your feet. Oh, yeah. And he would constantly ask me questions. It was like, I felt like every part of me was being not just examined, but absorbed. Like he was in mm. awe and yeah. I had never felt so not just seen, but like he couldn't get enough. Mm-hmm. And it was, well, what about this? And what about this? And he remembered freaking everything. Mm. It was uncanny. And it got to the point where he would read my face, whether I had a poker face or not. And he would sense a, a shift and he would tell me, wait, what are you thinking? Or, oh, that's not what you mean though. You, you're, it seems like you're actually feeling this. And I would think, Mm. gosh, like, how are you in my head already? Yeah. He knew my deepest, you know, dreams, fears, desires, and even actually on his hinge profile, I I remember this later. um, It gives you prompts and like, you know, to help people start a conversation. One of the questions he chose to ask was what's your deepest fear or something like that? Because he liked to get really vulnerable real quick. His Mm -hmm. big thing was, I'm an open book. I don't do small talk. Let's cut right down to how your soul's doing. Yeah. Looking back was really intense. Sure. But in the moment, it was refreshing. Absolutely. Like, you just feel like, this guy's serious. He knows what he wants. Like, he takes initiative. He's, you know, he was like a good Christian guy, which was important to you. 
Yeah, he really knew the Bible. He had like a just a really deep knowledge of scripture. Seem we seem to be kind of on the same page, you know, in that world. There's a lot of different people that claim to be one thing, and he knew his stuff and mm-hmm. was really involved and committed in the church that he was going to down in the Bay Area. I think he was either in a, like a small group or trying to lead a small group or something. Mm-hmm. Um really seemed to walk the talk big mm-hmm. time, had a lot of yeah. knowledge. And was just very charismatic and engaging, big personality. Mm-hmm. He would enter a room and everyone would know he was there. And I had always been drawn to people like that. Yeah. Um, just because it was exciting. And he he was really into food. I mean, who isn't? But he would remember everything that I ever liked and cook for me. I couldn't lift a finger if I wanted to. Mm-hmm. And he would always, I remember him saying something like, do you have a problem just receiving? Just let someone love on you. And <sighs> I would be like, Oh gosh, I don't want to be a brat, you know. Right. You're a nine on the enneagram, away. right? Was that? Yeah. Did you post? A, okay, yeah. So my husband is too. Yeah. So that was probably especially for you, feeling like, oh, like someone's just like taking care of me. There's no conflict here. This is just like a harmonious. Like that's like what speaks to you. Yep. Yep. And there we were on the same page about so many things that it just felt so good that there was no friction. You know, because yeah. my main thing is peace. I want everybody yes. to get along and I don't want to take up space. I don't want to be a burden or, you know, stress yeah. someone out. And he was always just like, you know, you deserve to take up space. It's okay. Mm. You know, you're a life, you're a soul, you're a human. And it was always, what was his thing? Um, I want to, some, oh gosh, like the man's role is to make sure that women flourish or something like that. It's all fuzzy now, but I'm pretty sure I quoted it verbatim in <laughs> something with the wrong <laughs> podcast because it was burned in my brain, but yeah, everything was, everything was, how can I lay myself down so Uh that you can flourish? Wow. And be your best self, you know, live your best life. So he really then, like, he made it clear from the beginning that he was serious about you. And he like flew you around to meet all his like family and stuff. Like, tell us about that. Within, um, oh gosh. So we met Mid August ish, we started talking. We met like that next week, and mm-hmm. September was just a whirlwind of going back and forth, like mm-hmm. me going down to the bay, him coming up to Sacramento. And then, uh, September, October, we took, I think, our first flight. We went to Seattle, and then, uh, he introduced me to some close friends of his. And I think he had worked with the guy. So we Mm -hmm. went to breakfast with the guy and his wife and their little one. And the guy, I mean, talk about melting my heart, wraps up my boyfriend in a bear hug as if he just is a long lost friend. And he looks at me and he goes, I'm going to tell you one thing. I got a man crush on your boyfriend right here. Like I have a serious man crush and I'm not going to be shy about it. So imagine (sighs) I'm right. There's this guy seems too good to be true. So yes, I was jumping in, but yeah, part of me was going I need some things to line up. So yeah, yeah, let's go meet your friends. Let's go see what they say. You know, absolutely going to go this fast. I'm going to need some proof. And yes. this guy just fawned all over him. And looking back, it was kind of weird, but I didn't, okay. you know, I didn't know at the time. It no, was, right. Hindsight's twenty twenty. right? Like it's like in the moment though, you're thinking like, this is a really great guy. Like he has these amazing friends yeah. who really love him and like trust him and all the things. Yeah. And I wasn't thinking, oh my gosh, he's perfect. But I'm like, dang, you can't fault a guy who's just charismatic and he loves people. And people have a hard time resisting that. 
Totally. You know, I wasn't able to, he was charming me and getting to know me. And I was like, this guy's great. Who wouldn't think that? Yes. And we, shortly after that, he flew me to Texas to meet his aunt and uncle mm-hmm. who you can tell they have a long-standing close relationship. They spoiled me rotten. I mean, I had the time of my life. I was treated like a princess. Mm-hmm. And even like, I would come out in the morning and he would be, my ex would be in the kitchen making breakfast. And his aunt would look at him and look at me and look at him and say something like, you're setting a precedent here, bud. You're going to have to yeah. maintain this. And I felt bad. She kind of looked at right. me like, you're letting him work this hard, like give him a break. And I said something like, I am capable of making my own breakfast. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. let me. But that was the pattern. That yeah. was the lifestyle. And then maybe the next week or two, I think there wasn't much of a turnaround. He then flew me to Colorado to meet his parents we stayed with his parents and met, there was a couple that he had worked with the lady's husband and their daughter was his goddaughter. So mm. again, another huge point. Yep. And this couple yeah. was obsessed with him. I mean, and the mm-hmm. wife was just, she took my face in her hands and kissed me. She was Latina, just super passionate and loved him. And I remember like hearing him laugh in the kitchen with uh, his friend and the wife and I were in the dining room, just sipping wine, laughing, talking about life and future and being way over emotional. And she said, Oh, I missed that laugh. Just Mm. like, how could I not, you know? And I remember relaying everything to my parents and my dad saying, this sounds too good to be true. Mm. And I went, yeah, but we've also been praying for something for years if something actually shows up that looks like the answer to our prayers, are we just going to say, oh, no. You know, I mean, what Absolutely. if Absolutely. Absolutely. What's the phrase? Like, look a gift horse in the mouth or something like that, which I never really understood what that meant. But it's like, here it is. Like, I, this, yeah. this seems like an amazing guy. What am I going to say? Like, you seem too great. Right. Like, that's yeah, like exactly. Stupid. I wanted to tell my, my dad, you know, which isn't true, but I wanted to say something like, well, sorry, nothing's ever worked out for you, but I'm going to do this. <laughs> You know? <laughs> uh, yeah. Sorry that Sucks you're jaded. You. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I, this is great for me. So here we go. Yeah. And they, I mean, to give to their credit to in the moment, one of my ex, a couple of my ex's friends, there was a couple that immediately, maybe a week or two in, he was talking about, we were in the car and he was getting these Snapchat messages, which who Snapchats anymore, really? Right. You know. But he, back then he was getting these Snapchats from his friend, Brian in New York. And he was laughing and he kind of threw his phone down as he was driving because he didn't want to look at the screen. But he goes, remind me later. I got to tell you about this guy. This You're going to love his wife. They're they're crazy. They're crazy. I was going, okay, you know, whatever. I'm just like on cloud nine right now. And a little while later, maybe that evening or the next day, I get a text from an unknown number. And it's just like, hey girl, I know this is crazy. I'm Kimmy, Brian's wife. I think, you know, so-and-so, I think your boyfriend mentioned us. We were Mm -hmm. in the middle of a fight in the moment. And my husband was snapping your boyfriend, which I was pissed over. And she just went off. I'm like, who? And you're like, hi. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Who are you? You know, but it wasn't always that intense. I mean, we just struck up a conversation. She was easy to talk to. We had a lot in common. She was a lot like me. So it was Mm -hmm. easy to talk to her. Yeah. And, um, they lived in New York and her husband owned a business online. So they traveled quite a bit. And she, I think, used to be employed, but was mostly just supporting him and caring for their kids. And they were in the process of an adoption. So things were a little bit crazy. Um, but she texted me pretty often. Mm-hmm. And when as like 
we got closer to the end of the year and we're talking engagement, she would, you know, check in and be like, you know, well, actually before we were talking engagement, before I even realized I'm, I fall in love with this guy, she would drop little hints and go, so, you know, where are you, where are you at with, uh, you know, feelings wise? Cause I have right. news and I was like, don't, don't tell me anything. Yeah. Don't this spoil it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. If he's going to propose. Yeah. Well, and back it up a little bit. If he has confessed to his best friend, Brian, that he loves me. Sure. Yeah. Don't mess with that. Let him yeah. tell me when he's ready, you know, cause totally. I don't know if I'm ready to hear that. Cause Yes, things were moving fast and I was having a blast, but what's crazy and weird to think back on is that deep down inside, I was really wrestling because I wanted, he was so head over heels and I felt like I was on this train that was going a thousand miles an hour and I would have been happy going at 500 miles an hour, but something in me was still just like, you know, I I want to get to a thousand because on paper, everything is more than perfect. It's not just perfect. This is above and beyond what I ever could have dreamed up, you know, in my yeah. head. Yeah. So I was really at a crossroads. And right before we went to Seattle, I kind of had a meltdown and I texted some friends and I was like, can you just like be praying for me? Um, check in with me, be my support. I am just feeling really conflicted, but I know that this guy is who I want. I know this mm-hmm. is what I want and I just okay. need clarity. So can yeah. you just be praying that I will get to know everything I need to know in a really short amount of time? And they're all yeah. like, of course happy to, you know, support you kind of thing. We're looking out for you and never heard back about that later. So I was like, huh, I wonder, you know, if anybody (laughs) could get weird feelings. Right. But, um, Kimmy would, you know, text me and be like, so rumor has it, you know, so-and-so is feeling like he pretty much knows what he wants in this scenario. Where are you at? And I'm not, I was like, okay, first of all, you snitch. I know better than to spill anything to you because you're spilling his stuff. No kidding. Yeah. That's not how this works. Um, so she was kind of nosy, but anyway, she was, she said, well, Hey, when the time comes, you better get your boyfriend to fly you out to New York. Cause I'm going to take you to Kleinfield and we're going to pick out a dress. Mm. And I'm going, I'm like, what did I just kind of like stumble into a different life? You know, a different echelon of living here. You know, kidding. Like who are these people? Yeah. Oh yeah. My ex was also, we were walking around in the Bay and he, you know, knows that I play piano, took me into, of course, you know, had to be the hero. I'm going to take you into this piano store and, Mm. um, saw, you know, that my favorite dream make of a piano is a hundred thousand dollars. So he tells me right then I'm going to start a separate account and start a savings account and start throwing money into it for you. (sighs) And I knew it sounded ridiculous, but at the same time, I knew he made money. I saw the way he lived and it didn't Mm -hmm. seem that far out for him. Yeah. Know? Because he had, he had good money. Yeah. Yeah. So you're like, he was wow. very nonchalant about it. It wasn't, yes. he wasn't trying to make a big show of it. It was, Oh, that's what you want. We'll make it happen one day. And I know it's going to take a while. So I'm going to start now kind of thing. Ugh, and, but yeah. if that was it, he was just kind of subtle about it or Kimmy would mention it. He didn't mention a lot. It would mostly be like Kimmy spilling stuff to me. So okay. it was the, by the way, he wants to do this for you. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's crazy. Tell him no. And she goes, no girl, take it, accept it. Yeah. You know, this is your mm-hmm. life now. Don't reject it kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. So my family saw that things were moving really, really quickly. Yeah. And we're close. They obviously let me do what I want, but they know me really well. And they were mm-hmm. like, holy smokes, this guy is coming in, you know, like a bull in a china shop. So yeah. they were kind of desperate to get to know him. And I found out that they took him to dinner and pretty much grilled him. Okay. Yeah. Looking back. 
I, I mean, now knowing everything, I know that their gut was right. It was telling them yeah. like, Hey, this guy might not be everything that we think he is, mm-hmm. but I wished that they hadn't, you know, I was almost 30 years old. It was a little bit, not, I guess, overbearing maybe. I don't know. It's, I, I really, cause it's like, I've seen, you know, it's like stuff came out after something was wrong, came out and some people were like, Oh my gosh. Like, you know, uh, he was so crazy, the boyfriend, da, da, da. And then some people are like, oh, like, I feel like her parents are too much. But I remember thinking like, my parents would do that. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I just think like, I get it. Yeah, you were almost 30, whatever. But I don't know. I just feel like you're their daughter. Like, it's like, they wanted to make sure you weren't marrying someone nutso. So they're like, we just want to get to know him. Like, I think that that's like a lovely, loving gesture. Yeah, and I do too. I do too. I think- maybe my mind has been muddled by a lot of the feedback. And I know that they did. They grilled him on like, what are your intentions? What's your past? What are your, like, what are, I think they said something like, you know, do you believe in, you know, purity before merit? I think, I think, oh gosh, I don't want to like throw them under the bus. That wasn't true. But I just remember thinking, oh my gosh, mom and dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but But I get it. Totally. Honestly, I would probably do the same as a parent, you know, knowing what I know now and knowing people better. Yep. Yep. I would probably risk the ridicule just because sure. now I know that there are actual psychos out there. So Absolutely. Or, you know, risking some relationships, but um, yeah. yeah, they took him to dinner, but I will never forget my mom telling me on the phone a couple of days later, I have no red flags. Mm. He answered every question and they did not let up. And she said that he had an answer for everything mm. and seemed very honest and very vulnerable. And was like, I'm an open book. Um, and he had made no hesitation to drive up whenever, wherever he would right. stay all hours of the night. If we were having a function at the house in my family's house, he was always there. He spent Christmas with us. So I'm like, okay, everyone loves this guy. I've met his friends and family. Let's get this show on the road. So we mm-hmm. got engaged in January and I remember his 30th birthday was just a couple days later. And so he'd never been to Yosemite. So mm-hmm. I planned this weekend trip to Yosemite, which ended up being perfect because it was kind of a way to celebrate our engagement and his birthday. Mm-hmm. But in the weeks leading up, I had this idea um, because he was such a words person and that was his love language and all of his friends and family don't live near him in California. They're all throughout the country. I had Brian, uh, Kimmy's husband, mm-hmm. help me gather phone numbers because Brian and my ex went way back and they had mm-hmm. a lot of the same contacts in their phone. Mm-hmm. And I said, Hey, you know, some of the people that he talks about all the time that are special to him. Do you have mm-hmm. any of those phone numbers? I'd like to reach out and get people to send a little note of encouragement for his thirties. Cause a lot of his friends are older than him Yeah, and or just something that they see in him or just even, it can be funny. It can be sarcastic, mm-hmm. whatever. And then I'm going to compile everything in a notebook and just give him, you know, this group of notes from all of his friends and stuff. So, so Brian sweet. Was, on it. He was sending me all this stuff. He's like, Oh, here's another thing he'd like for his birthday. You want to grab that? And I'm like, no, but <laughs> yeah, okay. that's not you what know? I asked, but okay. <laughs> I'm, I've got this, you know? Yeah. But whatever. Yeah. He even said at one point, like, you want me to order it for you? <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, you weirdo. No. Yeah. yeah. I, hang on. Oh my but they were just like very, you know, very connected with him, very involved in his life. And actually my boyfriend brought me a gift that they had shipped over from Africa for me because they ran a nonprofit where um, they, I don't remember the details, but they sold handmade robes by women in, I think it was, oh gosh, I don't want to get this wrong. Is it Rwanda? Um, And so they shipped over a gift for me. Mm -hmm. And this thing was 
gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I, it's not something I would wear on a daily basis, but it was a really sweet gesture. Beautiful thing. Yeah. 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 And I mean, it was very obviously shipped over. It was in this massive, you know, packaging mm-hmm. and all these, you know, definitely like legit. Yes. Very sweet. So we start planning the wedding and this is January. And then the wedding was set to be on May 20th. So I had a short window. My parents sat us down and offered us money to help. And it wasn't, you know, a big amount by any means, but for us, it was a huge help. And Mm -hmm. I remember later, like my parents said that his reaction was really odd. He like wept, like big fat crocodile tears, just like someone had just told them he'd won a million dollars, you know? And even I was like looking over going, dang son, you know? Yeah. Get it together. Yeah. It's uh, it's all right. Yeah. And my mom later said that she felt really uncomfortable. It was not expected. It was just, it felt super off for the, it it didn't fit. It's not like they were saying you were like announcing that you were pregnant or something. And like, it's this big emotional moment. Like, it's like, we're going to give you some money for your wedding. Yeah. Like we're not going to weep over that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I, I just... I think I wrote it off in my mind because I knew in this moment, like at this moment in time, things were getting stressful with his job. So he Mm -hmm. was having a tougher time driving out to see me or having Mm -hmm. me come down there. We still managed to, I think, be together pretty much every weekend, but he was, his kind of, his demeanor was changing a little bit. He was a little bit more short. Um, Like we'd be in the car driving somewhere and I would just like put my hand like to massage his neck or something. But if, if it was warm or if he was stressed, he'd go, don't, don't touch me. Don't touch me. I'm hot. Okay. Like, I hate it. And I'd be like, oh, gosh, sorry. You know, sorry. Ooh. But yeah. he would just, you know, Kimmy would tell me, hey, like Brian is talking with him about work and work is hitting the fan right now. It's really stressful. So I'd be like, oh gosh, okay. I'll really try to be as, you know, accommodating as possible. Sure. Yeah. And Kimmy would say things like this wedding, you know, the cost of the wedding is really stressing him out. Um, you know, you might want to include him in on the process so that he just doesn't feel like the bankroll to your dream wedding kind of thing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize I was doing Being that, that way. Making, yeah. Making him feel that way. I never wanted that. And it was in my mind, I was like, oh my gosh, bankroll. I'm trying to DIY this whole thing. Right. And I, because he's so stressed, I'm trying to keep him out of the planning process. So he doesn't have to do anything and just yes. focus on work. I'll take it, you know, but I didn't realize that it was making him feel used. Yeah. So it was this constant, you know, back and forth. Well, um, my mom would call me and say like, what's up with so-and-so he's not replying to my texts. He's acting really weird. And I'd go, what do you mean replying to your text? You guys like text all the time or what? Right. And I guess he had set a precedent way back where he would reach out to my mom randomly and just be like, I'm thinking about you praying for you. You're a great mom. Really thankful. I'm really like, I'm reaping the benefits of your hard work. You're an amazing mother you know, wow. it just melt my mom to pieces. What mom would not want to hear that? And right, he had really set a pattern with my parents and not that they require that, but the, the drastic shift really caught their attention when all of a sudden he just ghosted. And sure. so she'd check in and be like, she called him son and she'd go, mm-hmm. Hey, son's thinking about you. You know, hope you're doing well. Miss you. Hope to see you soon. Bye. You know, kind of thing. And he just you know, wouldn't text back. So after a couple of weeks, my mom was feeling kind of weird and insecure. So she'd yeah. call me and go, have I upset him in any way? I'm sorry. And I'd just be irritated and go, I don't know, mom, he's stressed. Yeah. Like if you don't get a text back, you don't get a text back. Sorry. Right. But it kind of built to where 
I would find myself in arguments with my mom on the phone where my mom would be defending my dad and I'd be defending my fiance. Right. And it would pretty much get to the point where I would say, well, sorry, but I don't actually owe you an explanation for anything. This isn't, you know, he, he doesn't owe you constant (laughs) communication. He is busy. Mm -hmm. And it just was weird. My relationships with them were getting really strange. I remember they sat, they asked me to come to dinner, you know, to talk. And I said, oh, then he's coming too. And they went, no, Mm -hmm. we want this to be just you. Mm -hmm. And I was furious. I felt kind of like it was a bait and switch where we sat down and they just asked me, why is he like something's different? Something Mm -hmm. was off. Why is he acting weird? And I said, so you brought me all the way here alone and you didn't have him here. Why don't you ask him to his face? You know, Mm -hmm. if if the problem is with him, don't make me the middleman. Mm-hmm. And their point was, we've been trying mm-hmm. and we can't get a hold of him. And that's right. weird. And my mom said, Sarah, I have asked him to forgive me if I've done anything wrong. And it's getting to the point now where it's more obvious that he does not want to talk at all. Like he could just send a right. quick text and say, love you, miss you. I'm busy. I'm sorry. Or yeah, thanks. I forgive you. That was kind of annoying. You know what? Just sure. give them nothing is really weird. Yes. So I knew, I mean, Kimmy was constantly telling me, you know, he's super stressed and blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, onto this Kimmy thing. This woman is starting to drive me nuts. She's Mm. texting me all the time. She's constantly asking highly personal questions. I'm trying to plan a wedding. My fiance is stressed out of his mind. And I'm just, even my roommates would see me in the kitchen and go, are you texting Kimmy again? Because I was on my phone. I go, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just kind of, huh, but not really say anything. And I could feel that they thought it was weird. How much yeah. I talked to her. It was just a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. And I I even thought, look, she doesn't live here. You know, I don't actually have to see her, whatever. You know, she's she's been a huge help and a huge support. But when mm-hmm. things blew up with my parents, I was extremely upset after that night that they took me to dinner and kind of, I felt a little trapped because mm-hmm. I hadn't wanted to go. And they'd said, oh no, everything's fine. And then I go to dinner and sure was not fine. Yeah. And afterwards, I didn't know who to process with. Mm-hmm. And she timing was golden. Text me. He's like, Hey, I'm thinking about you. Is everything okay? And I went, you know, actually no. Mm-hmm. And I said, here's where I'm at. You know, my fiance, as well as, you know, pretty much anybody. Mm-hmm. Are my parents justified? Is this, mm-hmm. are they being overbearing? Am I wrong? Is he wrong? What's going on? And she blew up and was like, girl, that is not biblical. If I had a dollar for every time Kimmy told me Ooh, something wasn't biblical. Biblical, yeah. <laughs> yeah, to pull that card. And it was just like, that is something about, what did she say? You're not, your husband's not marrying your parents or something like your parents aren't getting married. It's you guys. Mm-hmm. This is between you and your husband. No one else comes into it and don't bring anybody else into it. You know, kind of thing like you guys, it's you against the world. You've got to figure this out. This is God's will for you. And you're going to encounter opposition and you just have to push through it and know that like, you know, rainbows and sunshine and butterflies are waiting on the other side. And mm-hmm. the darker, what did you say? Like it's darkest before the dawn, you know, you just have to yeah, get yeah, through yeah. the finish line. Those wonderful and, cliches. Yes. 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 And she was just basically dig your heels into the ground and your parents are crazy. And you were, what did she repeat all the time? You were raised in this small, you know, Christian bubble where everyone told you that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. And guess what? That's not how the rest of the world lives. So while you're special, you're not that special. And oh. basically, because I did grow up in a small community. Sure. Homeschooled, 
you know, went to a small church, worked yeah. with my, you know, friends and went to a small university and all that stuff. And she was yeah. just like, oh, you have this idea of the world. That's not the way, you know, the world works. And just kind of like patronizing. Okay. Yeah. 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 And it was like, hey, now's the time to really buck up because you're marrying you know, your fiance and he runs at a different pace. He, what what did she say? He runs in different circles and you're basically going to like, you're going to have to step it up and realize that you've had it really easy for a really long time. You've, you're almost 30. You don't have a huge career. You've been able to just sort of skate along. And now like, you're going to have to pick it up. It's time (sighs) to become an adult. And I was like, holy crap. Yeah. Here we go. You know, well, shoot. Yeah. Cause it was just enough truth that I'm like, well, I have lived a very comfortable, like I'm very thankful for how mm-hmm. wonderful my life has been. I've been sheltered from a lot of, I haven't experienced major tragedy, you know, sure. or major loss. Yeah. No one's life is perfect, but I had managed to avoid, you know, deep pain. Yeah. And, um, uh, I was, I had great relationships with friends and family. Mm-hmm. So, I took those little grains of truth to think, oh man, I'm little Miss Goody Two-Shoes that, you know, everything is perfect. And I don't realize that that's not how the world works. And I kind of have a stick up my butt, you know? Yeah. Small-minded kind of thing. So I actually don't know anything that I thought Mm -hmm. I knew. So when I didn't realize that she was really trying to break me down until she was asking about the honeymoon and was like, girl, have you lost that cellulite for the honeymoon pictures yet? And I kind of paused. This gives me like, oh. Like, yeah. And to say it back now, it's like, how were you even having a conversation with someone who would say that? But this Uh, is not the foundation that was laid. This is not how our relationship started, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was like a punch to the gut. And yeah, I was furious, but that was not, you know, the foundation I had with her. And I kind of had to cool off for a second. And I remember Mm -hmm. trying trying to play a diplomatic without blowing up on her. Cause I wanted to see where she was coming from and see first yeah. if she was serious. And I, I said something like, uh, you know, come again. And, yeah. um, I said something like, you know, I, I kind of like, I'm tall and I have sort of a big frame. My doctor told me the lowest I should ever go is like 145 would be a mm-hmm. super healthy weight. And she said something like, Oh, you know, no, no, no. Get down to what did she say? Like 125, 130. And you'll see that shit leave you be. Stop. And I lost it. Yeah. I remember I was in my apartment. I was shaking because, well, was I perfectly secure about my body? No. Right. Who is? I knew I had, you know, some dimples on my legs and stuff. And I, after like furiously cleaning my apartment and cussing out the air and everything. Right. I did what I think a lot of people do. And it would be like, screw you. I'm going to prove it to myself and to everybody else that I can do this. Mm. And I started working out twice a day. Like I did the Aww. opposite of what you should do. I know. And even knowing, Aww. you know, that I shouldn't, I still did it. Yeah. It just was kind of like my way of saying F you, even though it totally fell into the trap. Right. I was working out twice a day. I lost tons of weight. I got thinner than I'd ever gotten. And, but also went to my fiance and said, Hey, I don't think I can talk to your friend anymore. Yeah. Is she, is she healthy? Like, I don't mm-hmm. think she's a safe person. And keep in mind, he had talked them up for the last few months that we'd been together. Right. When I said, does she have an eating disorder or any sort of like self-hatred? Like why would she speak to another woman this way that had always been kind to her? Right. Now all of a sudden he's going, oh, so unhealthy. Oh my gosh. She's like, 
she's full of self-hatred. She's always had body uh, hate in, uh, issues. Mm-hmm. Um, their dynamic is really unhealthy. And I was thinking, wow, well, way to tell me this now. Yeah, that's you know, interesting. That, yeah. That she, you know, needs some help in some areas and might not be a healthy, you know, confidant kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I really scaled back on how much I was talking to them. Right. Um, my, I had a French bulldog at the time named Maple. So all this time I had adopted her. She was about six. And so mm-hmm. I didn't know her history. All I knew was that she did have major separation anxiety and she was very nervous around men, but she'd warm mm-hmm. up to them. She ended up loving my dad and my brother and friends, guy friends that would come over to our apartment and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but she would not warm up to my fiance mm-hmm. and it was getting so bad to the point where I, she would nip at him and I would mm-hmm. be out of the room and hear her screech She'd freak out. She would run into the corner and snarl at him. Just, I, I talked to multiple people who were Frenchy, you know, lovers and would say, you know, I don't know. That's tough. Frenchies can be very dominant. They can tend to be aggressive. We don't know her past. Mm-hmm. Here are some things, you know, I tried some tricks and training and everything and it didn't yeah. get better. It just worsened. Right. So I tried everything I thought I could try. And, um, I ended up rehoming her pretty soon before the wedding. Mm-hmm. And at the time I thought that was the best choice because he had a dog of his own that he loved and loved him. This dog was just so sweet. Found mm-hmm. out later the story of how he got him was totally made up, but mm-hmm. sweetest dog ever. And so of course I'm seeing, I'm like, okay, he's not mean to animals. He loves right. this dog. Yes. He was a little rough with him. And there were times where like my parents and I witnessed him, you know, playing some games with his dog where we were like, Ooh, that's kind of rough, you know, but mm-hmm nothing ever resulted in actual injury or the dog being scared or upset in any way. Just right. Just Yes. But it made me a little uncomfortable. It's like he knew how to tow that line really well where I would feel, I'd feel kind of like a jerk or like I was, you know, kind of totally. a fun suck. If I was like, hey, don't, you know, don't go that hard. Right. You know. Yeah. I was like, oh, he's a guy. He's more heavy handed than, you know, I would be or whatever. Sure. Yeah. Or like he was like, he's like from Colorado, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so my husband is too. So it's like they're very like outdoorsy, hunt like yeah. you love to hunt. We're like that. So it's like easy. It would be easy to tell yourself like, oh, well, that's just like they're just like that. You know what I mean? Like it's just like they're rougher. That's fine. You yeah, know, like, and you I don't want to. I don't want to be that girl that's like be more gentle. <laughs> right? You're like I don't want to be annoying. Yeah, and his dog seemed okay. Sure. He, yeah. you know, so I'm looking at the evidence, going okay, and he's not acting like a dog that's abused. Right. He's not cowering or anything. So mm-hmm. I'm, you know, proofs in the pudding. So I need to back up and mention that my roommate at the time that I was really close friends with, we we traveled together, done a lot together. She was a great support. I was, I, I lived with two girls. The one that I was close with um, spent a lot of time with my fiance and me. Mm-hmm. The one that I was a little bit less close with, she was dating someone else. She was gone a lot. You know, we weren't mm-hmm. really around her a whole lot. Um the one that I was close with was up on our porch stretching either before or after a run and didn't know that my fiance had taken both of our dogs out for a walk to go potty. So he was down at the street level. We're up in the second floor. So he would not have seen that my roommate was up on the deck stretching. Mm-hmm. And she said that she saw him unprovoked, just kick my dog in the rear, like hind right hip area. Mm-hmm. And she's a tank. Frenchies are all muscle. She's really, mm-hmm. really thick. 
And he apparently launched her. So he kicked her hard enough that her body was lifted suspended in the air. Yeah. And it was so shocking that my roommate didn't, you know, it's like your brain doesn't know what to do. It's in denial of something that your eyes saw. So he was staying with us that weekend and she didn't say anything. She waited a few days or however long he was staying with us and later said something to me. We both just kind of sat there and looked at each other. Like, we don't believe this, but we know it happened. Mm-hmm. What do we do with it? So we just kind of shelved it. I sure. didn't know, you know, looking back, obviously I see all of the signs, but in the moment I had never experienced anything like this and I had never mm-hmm. seen him do anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I knew him to be someone different. And I just thought she must be driving him nuts. He had a dark moment. This yeah. is not who he is, uh, you know, insert whatever, totally anything I could do to survive in the moment. My brain just wasn't functioning in a healthy way. Um, so we're getting closer to, I'm not, okay. I'm not really talking to Kimmy, although she's continuously trying to reach out, but she's getting weird and a little bit too personal. She would ask like sexual questions or like, you ready for the honeymoon and stuff like that. And by now I'm over Kimmy. <sighs> yeah. I'm like, yeah, you're like, you enough. are a freak. Yeah. Yeah. This is unhealthy. If I knew you in real life, I would have told you, I would have, I'm blocking you, you know, long ago. Yeah. Kind of thing. I didn't block her number because I wanted to see when she was trying to reach out sure. to me. Yeah. You know, I want to be aware, but I'm not going to engage in conversation. So, um, we get to, he, we finally find a house in Sacramento that we were going to rent together in that whole process. Nothing was easy at this point. We're getting in arguments a lot. And what would happen just to sum up every argument ever would be, he would tell me that I had said something or done something. And I mm-hmm. would not remember saying or doing that thing. Mm-hmm. And I'd go, no, that's not what I meant. And he'd go, oh, honey, that might not be what you meant, but it's what you said. Mm-hmm. And I would just go, oh my gosh, like maybe I'm a terrible communicator. And he would go, yeah, well, you are used to communicating one way, but what you say is not like what you think you're saying is not actually what's being communicated. Or we'd be in the car and I'd recall something and he'd look at me and he'd go, nope, that is not what you said. You were really rude. And you said this and this and this, and it was really hurtful. And I go, <sighs> like messing yeah. with my brain. Mm-hmm. Um, we were, we finally found a house we were renting in Sacramento. He moved up from the Bay into the house and I was still living in my apartment with my two roommates packing mm-hmm. up, slowly shifting everything over to the house. I had like a grand piano in my bed. I had a really big bedroom and a okay. really great apartment. It was my dream. Yeah. So I'm like pulling everything out of there slowly, getting Mm -hmm. it into this house. And we were in the house one night talking about something. And I was, I don't even remember what it was about. We weren't arguing at all, but he uh, said something and I went, oh, that's weird. I don't remember, you know, something like I remembered it differently. And he puts up both hands and he goes, whoa, 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 you're doing it again. I went, what? Doing what? And he goes, whoa, hey, calm down. And I'm going, what, okay. what do you mean? I, I'm confused. I'm not yeah. upset. Like I'm not freaking out. I'm just showing genuine emotion. And he said, you have this tendency to bowl people or steamroll them is what he said. You have a tendency to steamroll someone and like choke them down until they say uncle. And they, they like capitulate to your opinion or your perspective. <laughs> and it's got to stop because mm-hmm. you're like, like crushing other people around you and you don't let anybody speak. Like you can't tolerate disagreement. Mm. And I went, but I wasn't disagreeing with you. I was just, I was just remembering like something differently and asking a genuine question. Yeah. And he goes, he pretty much goes, look, the next time it happens when we're around people, 
how do I support you as your future husband? Do you want me to correct it in the moment or do you want me to address it later? (sighs) And I was just, I felt so terrible that I broke down in tears right there. I'm weeping going, I didn't realize I'm like so messed up. And yeah, I I suck. Yeah. Yeah. Because if I don't know that I suck, how am I going to make it better? Totally. And so I didn't realize that I was making all of these mistakes. And thank God I had him, you know, as my mm-hmm. savior. So he he literally comes up to me and goes, oh, come here. So now that I'm crying. Broken down. super embarrassed because I hate to cry. Mm-hmm. I feel I'm mad at myself. I'm frustrated at the situation. I'm feeling really small. And he just wraps me up in a hug. And he goes, what do you say? Something like, I love you. I'm here for you. This is why, you know... I'm here to support you and we will get through this together. Basically like you've got me, you're going to be okay. And right. it's a good thing you've got me. Otherwise mm-hmm. you would never get anywhere. Right. You know, kind of exactly. Thing. Yeah. I'm going to lay down my life for you so that you can go free. Yeah. So we, we get to the bachelorette party. So yes. this is a Saturday and my wedding was set to happen the next, the following Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, back up Friday, the day before my bachelorette party, I'm mm-hmm. at work. I work at, at the time, my boss and his and his wife were literally like second parents to me. Mm-hmm. And my mom, I found this out later, had been up all night for weeks, feeling sick, didn't know what was wrong, but she was woken up by nightmares. She said, I forget the word, like she was terrorized every night, had no peace, but couldn't put her finger on it. She just mm-hmm. knew something was awful. And she kept trying to get me to go to lunch. And by then... I felt like my parents were just so over-involved, overbearing. I had Kimmy's voice in my head where it's just like, your parents are too enmeshed. Mm-hmm. You need to make your own decision. So now my mom is driving me nuts and I'm busy. I'm days away from my own wedding. I've got a job. Sure. I have a lot of things going on. Yeah. And she wanted to meet up at the very last minute for lunch. And I said, no, I cannot. Yeah. And I found out that she instead reached out to my boss's wife and went mm-hmm. to lunch with her. which later really pissed me off because I'm like, now you're really meddling and getting into my life. Totally. Well, my boss's wife comes to the office, pulls me in the back room and sits me down and and looks at me and says, we are all concerned. And that was (sighs) when I just froze because this woman, like she'll put the fear of God in you. She's strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had had not received like a a come to Jesus slap in the face talk like I did in this moment. And she Mm -hmm. said, your mom just came to me and put some pieces together for me. And she said, I didn't put two and two together until we talked, but you are not who we know you to be and not mm-hmm. in a good way, but the, the pillars that have made you who you are that we've known for the last 10 plus years are changing and mm-hmm. you need to be aware of this. And she just said, we will all be there to support you, but you need to know that we are praying hard for you because mm-hmm. there is something wrong. Oh. And I just was like, oh, and she goes, you be praying too. She goes, you get on your knees tonight. And oh, I went, I will, wow. I will. So in yeah, my head, yeah. I'm thinking, you got it. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to pray because everybody will eventually get to know him the way that I know him. Exactly. And it'll all be okay. But right now mm-hmm. we just have a lot of misunderstanding because people mm-hmm. haven't had time with him. And I understand this is really fast mm-hmm. and eventually the dust will settle. We will put, you know, we'll mend all the relationships and everybody will be fine. Yep. Um, so that night I did, as I was told, I got on my knees and I prayed. Mm-hmm. And I had perfect peace. And I remembered mm-hmm. like deep in my mind, having this gut feeling that I couldn't explain. And it was the phrase Sunday will be pivotal. And I mm-hmm. thought, perfect. Great. Everybody's going to get along. And then the next week and we'll have my dream wedding and everything. Will be yeah. fine. So Saturday, next day, 
I get up and I am cheery as heck. I head over to our house down the road that my fiance was living in to say goodbye before heading down to my hometown for the bachelorette Mm -hmm. party. I was chipper and we were uh, in our new house. He made me this huge breakfast and I sat in the kitchen and talked with him and everything and uh, headed down to my hometown and marched into my parents' house, which is where everyone was meeting all my girlfriends and stuff and was like, we ready to party? And everybody was really awkward. And Mm. I was just like, let's get it together. This is my bachelorette party. We're going. And we went and did an escape room and had dinner and, you know, great fun. And then uh, ended things at my parents' house too. And everyone kind of split and I had to head back to Sacramento. Mm -hmm. And my parents said, hey, can you stick around? And I'm going, don't like ruin this. You are looking for every opportunity you can. Yeah. And just stop trying to control every moment. And I said, no. I have to get, you know, thank you very much for everything. This has been wonderful. I'm really thankful, but I have got to get back to Sacramento. I have a lot going on. And I think it was when my dad was like, stay, we need to talk. Mm, We got the back patio and we're sitting there and they're starting to tell me, you know, we're just uncomfortable. And I'm going, okay, yeah, get it out, get it out. Mm -hmm. So I can go home. That's good. I get it. You guys aren't comfortable. We'll, we'll Mm -hmm. get there. And, um, they weren't really coming out with it and it wasn't hitting home until my mom said, we feel sick. And we have talked to your cousins, to your siblings. And I went, whoa, 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 wait, everybody. I had no idea, Mm. no idea. I was, I had zero clue that nobody felt right. So now I'm feeling sick Mm -hmm. thinking selfishly, I can't have a wedding. Fine. I have waited this long. I'm almost 30 years old, you know, Mm -hmm. and everyone's like, when are you going to finally, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now that the day's coming, you're telling me that no one wants it to happen or no one even right. wants to be there. Ugh. So they just said, we ask, all we ask is that you postpone. Please just postpone. Give us more time. And I went, what do you think that's going to do? If you're not mm-hmm. comfortable now, you're not going to be comfortable right. later. He's mm-hmm. not around all the time, you know, and they're going, just let him come on like the family camping trips and the hunting mm-hmm. trip, or just let him be integrated into the family so that we can see him. Mm-hmm. And I just finally felt like I had no choice. Mm-hmm. So I remember leaving and saying something like, you better be right. Like, mm-hmm. or you better hope that this works out or something. Cause yeah. I'm going on, I'm, I am calling this off based on what you're asking. I pretty much placed the pressure on them even more, mm-hmm. which looking back, they, you know, in their position, they were terrified to have to ask me to do this. Cause talk yeah. about a huge risk. They were risking losing me for forever. Totally. So I leave looking at them going, you might lose me forever, you know? Right. Cause you could have just been like, screw you. We're going to elope and yep. I'm not going to talk to you again. Yep. And it was uh, not to sound vain, but really it was my own desire to have a wedding that people remembered and loved. That caused yeah. me to, you know. Well, you know, but like in all actuality though, like who wants to have a wedding where now they know that everyone is sitting there thinking this is doomed. This is like who that's horrible. Right? Like you wouldn't be able to enjoy your day. Like that would be. No. Terrible. And back to my Enneagram nine-ness, you know, not yes. that I wear that as like, you know, my hat or anything, but totally. I want peace and harmony. I want people to have a good time. A hundred percent. So I go back to Sacramento and I walk into our house and I'm telling this detail because looking back, it's eerie. All of these to-dos that had been on the list that hadn't been done in forever mm-hmm. were just, the house was transformed. I walk in and I'm like, whoa, someone has been busting his butt for me. 
Oh, wow. to-dos were done, like all the honeydews, you know, and then yeah. he's, I can hear like worship music is blasting. I can hear him <sighs> whistling and singing along in the bathroom where he's, I can hear the drill going, you know, he's installing yeah. stuff for when we move in together and, you know, putting up like towel racks and all that. And yeah. on the table is a huge bouquet of flowers and stacks of all these chocolate bars and a card. And it's just like this, I'm excited to be, you know, your partner forever card with a sweet note in it and everything. And I'm Oy. looking at it all going, I'm coming in here to tell you that I'm, we're canceling, postponing, this, you know, we're yeah, calling oh. it off. Yeah. Yeah. So I tell him it does not go well. Mm-hmm. I like can't breathe. He can't breathe. And then his next thing is like, you're going to be, you have to break it to my family. I can't, I can't do this to my parents. And I'm, I, I said, don't put that on me. I'm already yeah. too broken. Like I could barely talk, you know? So then right. I, was I, oh. I go back to my apartment. I am up all night and yes. Kimmy starts texting me going, girl, you got to talk to me. They called him. This is just, I want to throw up. They, his nickname is Bubba. She goes, mm. Brian is talking and Brian is on the phone and he's talking Bubba off a ledge. What did you just do? And I was <laughs> like, I, I was so, you know, far gone and beside myself. Yeah. I just said, uh-uh, I'm not talking yeah. right now. Right. So it's ramping up. She's like, no, you have to tell me is the wedding even still happening? Because right. I know we didn't tell you, but we were actually going to surprise you and fly out and show up to your wedding. And my first thought was, well, wait to tell me because it was such a small guest list that we actually wouldn't have had chairs for you. <laughs> well, right. And right. like you pay per head. That's really rude. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you don't, surprise. you don't, not good etiquette, especially for a small yeah. wedding. Yes. So she said, and if it's a money thing, we'll wire you money right now. Like if this is, if this is anything to do with money, we can take care of it. And I'm just like, get out of yes. life. Leave me <laughs> alone. Yeah. Me. Yeah. Um, I, I talked to her a little bit and then finally went to sleep next day, Sunday. Um, I, my roommate, the one that I'm close to is on her way out the door and I call her in my bedroom and I was like, can you come here for a second? And she can see I'm not okay. I obviously look like trash. And I said, I need you to be honest. Here's the time like that. You can just tell me, mm-hmm. what do you think of my relationship? What do you think of him? Do you like him? And you could tell she was shocked because she'd just been at my bachelorette party the day before. Right. I was obviously not in the same state I was 24 hours earlier. Right. And she was very diplomatic and, and just kind of sweet or like shocked, but sweet. Mm-hmm. She goes, I, I mean, I see how happy he makes you. And mm-hmm. he seems like a great guy. And I'm, I'm just yeah. excited for you to be happy. Mm-hmm. Well, we're going back and forth. Meanwhile, Kimmy is still blowing up my phone. My other roommate, who I was a little less close with, comes in like, what's going on? And I kind of give her the rundown and she goes, you want me to be honest with you? And I don't remember the exact words. It was something like yeah. that. And I'm, I'm thinking, okay, well, come to find out. Yeah. She had had a very different experience of him. I didn't realize that he knew who mattered to me and not that she didn't, but I didn't really talk about her much. Sure. So he, he, she saw a different side of him mm-hmm. and she recognized things in him that she goes, I'm going to, you know, confess, I have tendencies to be a certain way and I'm not, but I can, I can sense when someone else is lying or Mm -hmm. when they are like sizing you up. And she said, I have had multiple interactions with him where he has been rude. He's been a jerk. He has sized me up. He's lied. I've caught him lying. Like she goes, Sarah guy's sketchy. And I'm thinking, well, Way to tell me now, you know. Yeah, right. We're one week out. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, but I can see where when when would have been the right time, it's especially so if she and I weren't super close. What's mm-hmm. she gonna do? You know, it's not yeah. really. That's an awkward spot. Um, she looks down. She sees my phone. 
still blowing up. And you can, she like rolls her eyes harder than she can roll them. And she goes, is that Kimmy? I go, yeah, blah, blah, blah. She says, Tara, have you ever spoken to Kimmy? And I went, oh yeah, I talk to her all the time. And, you know, my fiance has talked to her and she goes, no, no. Have you heard her voice and seen her face in real time? And I went, well, no, but I've seen screenshots of her FaceTiming my fiance um, Mm -hmm. where no, she wasn't on the screen, but their newly adopted baby was. And he is on there as well, like looking at her and everything Mm -hmm. and and interacting. And she goes, okay. And we kind of sat there for a minute and I almost pass out like as the reality sort of sunk in of what she was insinuating. And I just looked at her and I went, no, no, no. Mm. And she said, Sarah, this happens. I just had a friend who got catfished for two years. This happens. Text her right now and ask her to send you a selfie with a peace sign. And I did. And it just started to spiral. It's like, I've seen the show Catfish. I mm-hmm. I know, you know, when, when the mask starts to come off and everything starts to unravel and that sick, oh my gosh, feeling she couldn't give me what I was asking for. She got upset and was like, she said, are you, is this because you, you know, doubting me or something like that? This is insane sauce. And I'm going, first of all, why are what? you talking like this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And she goes, here's us at dinner. Here's us on our wedding day. And she said, you're asking something like, why are you asking something so ridiculous and, and putting so much stock in it? You know, you shouldn't be putting your wedding on such a stupid request. And I said, well, if it's stupid, it should be really easy for you to accomplish. And I said, if you care so much about your friend and so much about this wedding, you can step away from whatever you're doing and send me a peace sign. Yeah. Call me your friend's crazy fiance, but send me the freaking picture. Mm -hmm. And she never did. I didn't get it. So a few minutes later, guess who I get a phone call from? My fiance. Sunday morning had had flown by and we had a dance class scheduled because we were learning, we we're going to do something for our first dance at the wedding. Mm-hmm. And we had a dance scheduled in like a half hour or whatever. And so mm-hmm. he just suddenly calls me and I put him on speakerphone. Both of my roommates are right there. Mm-hmm. And he is super awkward and quiet. And he goes, so what you doing? And I kind of look at my roommates and they're looking at me eyes wide. And I went... Oh, just, uh, you know, hanging out and having a conversation with Kimmy and it goes super quiet and he goes, what are, um, what are you talking about? And I went, Oh, well, she knows. I'm, and he goes, what, what do you mean? And I went, I'm just waiting for, waiting on something from her. Mm-hmm. And it goes really quiet. And my roommate that I wasn't so close with looks at me and kind of makes a spinning motion with her hand. And she goes, you can hear his wheels turning. He's thinking mm. he's spinning. I'm waiting and waiting. And then he goes, uh, well, um, so what if you never get what you're waiting for from her? And I went, I don't know. I guess we'll have to wait and cross that bridge when it comes. Mm-hmm. What have you been doing all morning? And he goes, oh, well, I just, uh, you know, I didn't notice the passage of time because I was in prayer and in my Bible. And oh, how nice. That's so lovely. I, yeah. And I was so unspiritual because I was not right. what I was spending my time not worshiping. Doing. Right. Yeah, very much not. And he said, I, I didn't realize how much time had passed. And then I, oh yeah, he was trying to say that's why he called is because all of a sudden his reminder timer went off for the dance lesson. Sure. So he thought he would just call me and see if he's still picking me up for the dance lesson mm-hmm. when the night before I just called off our wedding. Right. Like so said, obviously we're not doing this. Yeah. I went, you know, I don't, I don't think that's a, that's a good idea. And so he kind of went quiet and he goes, so um, what's next? And I went, well, we're just going to be waiting on a text from Kimmy. I'll like keep you posted, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So then this is all fuzzy to me. 
Thankfully, mm-hmm. I think it's, it's, you know, told clearly maybe on my blog, but also on like the something was wrong podcast. But from mm-hmm. what I remember, I don't remember exactly when my family found out mm-hmm. that I could not confirm that my fiance had been making up fake people, but right. sometime between that and now in that moment, my fiance started like sending me this laundry list of how he was going to fix our broken relationship mm-hmm. that he was going to go to counseling. He was jumping into these accountability groups. He was starting all of these multiple online devotions and sharing his iPhone notes with me so that I could see every single day, his journal, okay. everything he was doing. And it was right. a million miles an hour. I was like, this is a lot. Mm-hmm. And he go, we've got to go to counseling. Cause I would say, I think you need, you know, I, we were still in the, we're just stepping back to dating. We're not planning a mm-hmm. wedding. We're going to take okay. a step back. Um, so he was like, oh yeah, we're going to, we're going to do this and we're going to do it right. I'm going to get counseling accountability. We're going to go to couples counseling. He goes, there's been couples sin, parental sin. And I'm going, wait, what, what? are you, you what know, does that have to do with it? Yeah. Like what? Yeah. That, no. Yeah. As far as he knows, all I've done is ask him to give my family time to get to know him. Right. He doesn't know that he te- shouldn't know that mm-hmm. I don't think Kimmy's real anymore. And right. you know, neither is Brian, but he's flipping out. So we're still in this like, okay, we're just quote dating, you know, right now. And he's going to get some help. And then we're going to mm-hmm. figure out our next steps. Well, word gets to my family that this guy that they haven't trusted has been making up fake people for the past eight and a half months of my life. And the, everything, everything, thinking back to promises of the flights and the piano and everything just all like added up. Um, the gifts that had been mailed to me, um, Kimmy and Brian had sent me letters and I, which I didn't mention, Mm-hmm. Um, Brian helped me get all those phone numbers for my fiance's birthday present. My fiance mm-hmm. cried crocodile tears when he opened that gift, thinking oh back, you know, all mm-hmm. of the theatrics that had to go, the commitment. Yeah. So word gets to my family that this has happened. This turns into like a military rescue situation where my parents call me and they're like, uh, this isn't, you're not postponing tell him because I wanted to break up with him. They weren't telling me what to do, but they were like, don't put, don't play nice. Pretty much. I was, I was kind of playing a game of like, we don't know who this guy is. We don't know Mm -hmm. if he can pop off. I know that he owns a lot of guns and he's proud of them. Mm -hmm. And he obviously is the type of guy that'll do stuff like this. So I'm just going to play it really safe and I'm going to ease him into we are definitely breaking up. Well, when my parents found out what was really going on, they were like, oh no, you're going out now. We're not yeah. playing nice yeah, yeah, with yeah. this guy. So I get him on FaceTime and I'm in my room. And I, while I'm on FaceTime, my job is to tell him it's actually over. Yeah. And my parents were already driving out to Sacramento. This is Sunday evening or Monday. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what day it was. Um, I think they're driving out Sunday night um, to like with a truck, with cars to come and get mm-hmm. everything out of that house and help me just extract myself from you know, him. Totally. And while I'm on FaceTime telling him, A, we're actually breaking up now, now, and you can stop with all the theatrics of everything you're going to do to make it better. B, we're not only breaking up now, but my family's on their way right now to mm-hmm. the house that you're currently in. And they're going to pretty much raid it, you know, get my stuff out of there. Yeah. Um, he, we're going back and forth. And finally, once I told him we're actually breaking up, 
I'll never forget this moment. I remember crystal clear his face shifting and he just kind of went flat, like just expressionless, just totally Mm -hmm. empty. It was, it was like, I had just met a stranger and he just said something like, so what are we doing now? Or so what are we doing? Because if this is done, I have a lot of business to get to. I have, I have a lot of phone calls to make or something like Uh, that. And I just kind of sat there and went, uh, yeah, we're, we're breaking up. I mm -hmm. like, we're done, you know, kind of thing. And he goes, really? I went, yeah. Like so cold and weird. Yes. And he just goes, okay. You know, kind of like, and the next moment, I forget what he said, but he said something like, uh, so then how we, you know, how are we going to go about this? Are we, what's what from here? Are we going to follow each other on social media still or what? (laughs) Cause that's the number one item of importance. Right. You're just breaking up with the guy you're going to, you know, the girl you're going to spend the rest of your life with. Right. Like supposed to be married, uh, you know, know, one, two, three. Yeah. And I went, no, you know, I don't, I don't think that would be a good idea. And at this point I'm still just playing it safe. Yeah. I don't want to rock the boat. And his response to that was, oh, you know, you don't want to, you don't want your ex fiance watching you go on dates with your new boyfriend. Uh No, like this is getting not really. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, thanks. And then he pauses for a moment and he goes, that's fucked up. And that he was laughing. He was like, oh, come on. That's fucked up. <sighs> and something in me just snapped. And I said, no, you know, what is fucked up is the last eight and a half months of my life. Yeah. And you spiritually manipulating me and lying to me and like ruining the last nine months of my life. And he goes, he said something like, huh, good point. Just, uh, that was it. Like what, you know, yeah. What do you do in that moment? So, um, I have the whole conversation actually, I think it's still recorded. I have a video somewhere. I think my, my sister had shown up by that point and she chucked her phone on my bed while we were it. on the phone. So I, we have all the audio, but I, uh, you know, California, you can't record someone without their consent. So, uh, can't actually so at this point though, you are pretty convinced that Kimmy and Brian are made up, but he hasn't like admitted that to you. No. No. So you're ending it though, because you're like, this is crazy. Like you've been getting like, this is my, not only is it just my family and friends and whatever see inconsistencies in you, but now I'm seeing it. I don't like the way you've been acting. I'm starting to feel like Kimmy and Brian aren't actually real. Like you're acting very strange. I'm deeply uncomfortable with this. Yes. It was the, it, what was weird was, I don't remember the details, but I do remember that there were multiple lies that I was uncovering. Mm-hmm. So I kept giving him chances to confess. Sure. And the really unnerving thing was that he would not fully confess, but every, he would give me little fake confessions. And every time that he thought that I was appeased, he would act like, oh yes, good. So glad that we resolved that. So I kept sure. getting more freaked out thinking there's so much more here. And he just, he's not actually telling the truth still. He's just trying to get out of the moment and keep all the rest of the lies and whatever else I don't know about going, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So yeah. he's still not confessing. This yeah. guy will, he's, he's a, he's a liar. He's, yeah. the, um, he's a pathological liar. Yeah. And it's, it's almost like he's so wrapped up in all of them that he can't keep anything straight at the moment because he mm-hmm. was giving me conflicting answers to different questions. It's like he now, sure. it had all caught up with him and he was mm-hmm. getting to the point where he was giving me different answers for the same question and he couldn't remember what he had said. So if I right. filed something away and corrected him later, he wouldn't dispute it. 
Or he mm-hmm. would say, oh yeah, I just remember that wrong. And I'm thinking, okay, so that means that this, 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 you know, mm-hmm. I'm like remembering all these other things and thinking, okay, he is still not being honest, but he thinks that I'm happy with the answer that I, that he gave me. So mm-hmm. he thinks everything is fine. Sure. This guy is straight up a liar. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's where I'm like, we're, we've got to be done. I, mm-hmm. there's so much more. Cause I, I knew at that moment, the whole, I have eight and a half months now or nine months to unpack and figure mm-hmm. out what's real and what's not. There's so much water under this bridge. We've done so much in such a short amount of time. I don't know how much of that was legit. When did you really find out the truth about Brian and Kimmy? About a month later, I want to say. I it was that had, long? Yeah. And the only way that I got it out was I was calling him out on a bunch of things. And I acted like, I have the text. I In the text, I acted like I already knew. Just to set okay. him up and see, okay. if he would, yeah. you know, deny it. And I, I didn't make it the issue. Mm-hmm. I mentioned it as part of a bunch of things. And he, knowing him now and kind of getting to know his MO, I know that he has to be in charge. So if I tell him he lied about something, right. he would say, he would say, no, I lied about this because he has to be something else. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. That's like so, that so was, screwed up. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how I got him to say he was started to play the victim. He, he, the words were something like, and it was, it was a literal confession. It was something like Brian and Kimmy were made up out of a deep need to, and it was, then he would say, you know, pain and insecurity and you were just everything I'd ever wanted. And so, because I hate myself so much, I felt like I had to do this and this. And by the way, I've had like a lifelong addiction to alcohol and pornography and drugs and all kinds of stuff came out, but it was because it was a feel sorry for me. It wasn't a, sure. I'm really coming clean. It was a, oh, and he also said, I was living paycheck to paycheck because you were costing me so much. You had, you didn't even care that I was dropping like four grand in a weekend. And I was like, oh, nice one, buddy. Because he made me right. feel terrible for asking yes. how much things cost. All that I finally, the reason I didn't say anything is because I got exhausted and I shut my mouth. Mm -hmm. I didn't want him to get upset because every time I would say, no, don't get that. He would look at me and be like, would you shut up? So what else am I going to do? Of course. Of course. But now it was my fault that I was so expensive and he was so sure. And every time you were talking to Kimmy via text, it was him. It was your fiance. So he was the one that was saying you have cellulite that you should lose. Yep. He was he the was, one planning basically his 30th birthday party. Yep. He was the one telling me what he wanted for his birthday. He was telling me that my parents were overbearing and that I was sheltered. Yeah. Um, he was telling me like, so, you know, do you love him yet? Do you love him yet? Yeah. And having all of like the sex questions and sure, conversations. Yeah. Ready for the I did not. Yeah. Didn't engage in. And Kimmy, I actually wondered, and I joked about this with either a roommate or a friend, like, I wonder if there was a romantic history between Kimmy and my ex, because Kimmy idolized him. And I wasn't totally blind to that. I was like, "Mm, there's probably something here, you know, that no one's mentioning, maybe from the past, whatever, but she's married to someone else now. Mm -hmm. And of course, Kimmy was obsessed with him. It was him. That's so weird. It's like, uh, he, well, and what a clever way to make someone else the bad guy, you know, like he was, I guess, I don't know if this is an example of triangulation where he was making himself out to be the innocent hero 
all the time, but he was stirring up all this crap between my family and me and friends. I mean, he was, Kimmy was driving wedges between my roommates and me telling me, well, yeah, you, like your roommates haven't done anything with their lives either. They're just kind of floating along doing the, you know, what did he say? Like, they're, they're something about, I don't understand millennials. They, you know, making some sort of joke. Sure. Just, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, work at a coffee shop and go out to brunch all the time kind of thing. That and is I was like, so yeah. violating. I mean, so it's like you spent almost nine months talking to this girl who you thought was like a girl. <laughs> it turns out it was him, which is horrifying. And then you also ended up finding out that there was actually overlap between you and other women that he was either like engaged to or dating or whatever. So like all everything was made up. It's not, it's not one thing. It's, and now you basically know that he was abusing your dog. Hence why your dog hates him. Hated yeah. Him. And looking back, I was putting two and two together and realizing that the only time that she ever would shriek and Frenchies mm-hmm. can make, you know, some crazy ungodly mm-hmm. sounds. The only time she would ever shriek was when I was out of the room and I wasn't there to see what was upsetting her. Mm-hmm. And I, this is something else I, I sort of got out of him. He didn't deny it. Um, mm-hmm. In the text where I was calling him out for things, I said something like, you hurt my dog. You Something about you uh, attacked my dog or, or something to my dog when I wasn't looking to get those reactions out of her. And now I know that that's why she was shrieking when mm-hmm. I wasn't in the room. And he didn't deny it. Oh, so I, I took that as a somewhat of a confession, you know? Sure. Absolutely. Um, the way he got his dog, it was his ex-fiance and his dog. I found his ex-fiance, well, a friend of mine found some engagement photos of them online that mm-hmm. had been taken by her aunt and okay. sent me the Facebook page. And I called her aunt in Colorado. It was crazy. I mean, I was desperate for answers, but this was yes. in June and we called yeah, the wedding yeah. off in May. So a month later. Okay. And her aunt was really sweet. She texted me back and said, you know, uh, my niece says that she'd be happy to talk to you. Here's her phone number. And that night we talked on the phone for, I think, 45 45 minutes to an hour. And she had been with him for six years. They met when she was really young and very vulnerable and got engaged. And funny enough, her dad, a month before the wedding, came to her and said, I can't give you to this man. I cannot walk you down the aisle. Something in me is screaming that something is off and wrong about this guy. And she found out that the cancer that he had had for years and she was getting medical paperwork, legal paperwork in the mail, attorneys called her, like it was like end of life stuff, medical care, things like that. Fake. (laughs) All of it was fake. To this day, she doesn't know who she talked to on the phone. It could have been someone that he had call for him. He could have used a voice changer, but she says that she spoke with people on the phone and it was all fake. So he was engaged to this girl before you. And he Mm -hmm. told her this whole thing about having cancer, which is not true at all. And then he gets with you, you, you guys get together, but there's, he's still kind of with her. Like there's overlap there. There And then your whole thing is the Brian and Kimmy lie that he's texting you the whole time from these made up people. So when he and I met in August, I did not know that that spring, he did not tell me this, Mm -hmm. his ex-fiance and I think her brother had flown out to California and spent a week or weekend with him in San Francisco. They were still, he was still very much pursuing this girl because she was like the OG. She was the one he'd always wanted and the one that had gone away and he couldn't get over it. So when we, he and I met in August, 
Mm-hmm. She said that they were talking, like she was starting to kind of get mentally like wrapped up again because she, I think had been told, I think he told her his cancer was back or there was some reason that yeah. he needed her support and he's alone out in California with sure. no one there. And they had a long history. So she's compassionate and she did not know. I think that the cancer wasn't real at this point. And when he flew me first to Seattle, I think in October, oh, she goes, her birthday is in September. And that was when he and I were full speed ahead. We were official. Mm -hmm. We had booked flights to Seattle, Texas, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, Colorado. And she goes, Sarah, put it this way. Like we celebrated my birthday in September. We, I think they FaceTimed or something. And I'm thinking, how did he have time? Because I felt like we spent every waking moment together. Right. And he, all of a sudden, she knew something was up when he ghosted her sometime in October. And I went, that's when we went to Seattle and things really hit full speed. When I said, I love you back. And we started planning a wedding pretty much. And she said, I'll be honest. I hope this doesn't offend you, but I started blowing up his phone because I thought, is the cancer back? You know, what's what's going on? I need answers. And then she realized he's probably seeing someone and he's done it again. Like he's played me again. So then she just wanted answers, Mm -hmm. told him to F off pretty much. He tried to lie to her and tell her that he wasn't talking to anybody, but she knew that I existed at that point. So she threatened, he continued to try to reach out to her up until I think November or December. We were ring shopping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got engaged in January. Yeah. Yikes. He finally stopped reaching out to her when she threatened him with a restraining order. And that was when she said she actually stopped hearing from him. And then after... After summer, so fast forward, you know, May, I call things off. June, I find out Brian and Kimmy weren't real. I think it was sometime in June also that I found his ex-fiance. I think it was in July or August. It was after the Something Was Wrong podcast came out. And I told the story that people started to catch on. Sure. I ended up finding girls that he had talked to while we were together. And I guess the entire time that fall when we were flying around, we were in San Francisco ring shopping and all this stuff. There was a girl up in Reading that he was actively dating and and seeing in person. And she, I was like, do you remember when? Because I literally, it was so still clear in my mind that I could actually write out a timeline of every weekend that we were together. Sure. And I could not figure out, there was maybe one or two weekends that we weren't. He had a very small window when he could manage to see someone else. I was just going to say, like, I... Wow. Like how he managed to be texting you as two other people and then dating you slash engaged to you slash still dating other people. Like, yeah. And I guess he, um, she said, she doesn't remember the exact time, but she said they went on dates in San Francisco and it was decorated for the holidays. So this was right when, and I'm like, (sighs) oh, well, it was decorated for the holidays and we were ring shopping too. So that's cute. (laughs) Yeah. And I guess he would be, she said that he would text her in the middle of the night, two or three in the morning, and send her photos of himself naked in <gasps> his hammock on his patio. <gasps> and I know that he had a hammock on his patio. And she said that because she was either is a nurse or is in nursing school, he mentioned that he was on, he was taking these pills. And so of course, just out of curiosity, she was like, what, what do you want? And he was, I forget what it's called, but he was on something that, uh, I think is for, oh gosh, I don't want to get this wrong, but if you have like a sleep disorder, okay, like, like narcolepsy, okay. it'll keep you awake. But if you don't have a need for it, it can really alter your personality and 
it's like an upper kind of thing. So he would take it all the time and be up all hours of the night trying to get her to engage with him and, you know, sending nude pics or sexting or whatever. And she'd get, she'd get really upset with him and cut him off. And then he would call her and apologize and somehow pull her back in the next day or a couple of days later. This is a different side of him. We, this wasn't a part of our relationship. Yeah. And I don't know how he was staying up all hours of the night and then working his crazy job and driving to and from, you know, Sacramento and the Bay Area, which were, it was almost a three hour drive to where he lived. So once all of this came out, did you feel like your feelings went away for him immediately? Or were you still kind of like struggling with like, but I love like this version of him that I thought existed. Like now I know that that was fake, but do you get what I'm saying? Like, is it just like a snap of the fingers? Like, well, I hate him. Or is it like, I still in some weird way, love like some version of him? Yeah, there was definitely a mix. It was both. I it felt like instantly for, for the time being when I needed, when it all first happened, mm-hmm. I was still compassionate towards him. Sure. And it was still like, this is a very broken person who needs help. So I'm going to protect myself, but I'm going to be kind to him. Mm-hmm. And then later, as I learned a little bit more about the, um, like the uh, prognosis for narcissists, <laughs> they're not, you know, typically stats are very, very poor as far as them ever actually getting help. Yeah. And me understanding that this guy is evil and he is not really out for anybody's good. There is not a good side to him because the good side to him is used for his gain. So it's not truly good. He's only good because he wants something. Yeah, sure. That's, it took, it took a little while for me to fully realize that. And so once that sunk in and I got a better education on, I I had just, I hadn't encountered, you know, someone that functioned like this, it was gone, just gone. Okay. And I know that's not the case for everybody, but for me, it died a cold, hard death that day. Yeah. What was your healing process like after? Because I mean, I have to imagine like, I feel like even with a typical just breakup, you know, where it's like you're not dealing with like a crazy narcissist like this, you go through like these phases of healing, you know what I mean? Where whatever, like maybe you're angry, then you're sad, that blah, blah, whatever. Yeah. What was that like for you? Because it wasn't just that you were dealing with a typical breakup. It wasn't just okay, we called off a wedding. It was like slowly uncovering that everything was a lie. So it's like, how do you heal from that in the years following? The anger. See, another thing of like my personality type is I'm very averse to feeling negative emotion. Yeah. So trying to stuff this Mm -hmm. was hell because I couldn't. My body was breaking down. Like my, I was exhausted. I was super thin. My mom had to remind me, you know, to eat. I lost my apartment. I had moved out. Right. You know? I, someone else had moved in. I had to move in with my parents because I couldn't find anything. And looking back, it was a blessing because I wasn't well. I, you know, sure. I needed a yeah, place yeah. to heal. And I'm sure my parents were glad to have me physically safe. They wanted to keep an eye on me for a while. Yeah. We didn't know if he was going to come back. Um, yeah. So in the following year, I, I think for a while I was numb and just going mm-hmm. through the motions and it was like, I'm okay everything's okay. Bad things happen. Bad people mm-hmm. happen and I'm safe. And mm-hmm. then it was, how the hell could you have done this to me? Yeah. And then it was how, what did I do to deserve this? Yeah. I know that, I mean, did I just ruin my life only because I was a little bit naive and too trusting, you yeah. know, and 
why can't we fix this sooner? Why can't I get my life back? Mm -hmm. And then I felt stuck because here I am almost 30 living at my Mm -hmm. parents' house. Mm -hmm. And I didn't feel like I had a way out. I kept trying to move back to Sacramento, kept trying to like rebuild the life that I had. But Mm -hmm. the friends that I was close with, my roommate that I'd been close with moved and she Mm -hmm. was moving out of state. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't go back to where I lived before. I had my my old job. So my friends there were a huge support. Mm-hmm. But the anger and confusion, I and I think not liking things that are messy, it was really hard for me to not be able to just put a, a nice little bow on it mm-hmm. and wrap it up and go, okay, that's what happened. And it's going to hurt for a while. It wasn't, I know how to get through a breakup, but mm-hmm. having the rug ripped out from under you and plus having it happen continually over the next six months when I kept finding out more lies, right. I think I'd, I'd never really officially been cheated on. So that was a different, at first I thought, Okay, that that sounds about right. That's his MO. And I was just kind right. of annoyed. But mm-hmm. the anger really hit me later. Mm-hmm. And I just realized like I gave him parts of me. I gave him parts of my life that, mm-hmm. you know, you can't necessarily get back. And mm-hmm. to know that he had been, you know, doing whatever the heck he wanted with anybody else and throwing that in my face. And then like just remembering more things that Kimmy said. Mm-hmm. It took me forever to break down different things that Kimmy said, it would be months later. And all of a sudden I'd remember something and go, sure. That was him. Yeah. Like, Oh my I was gosh. Still, yeah. Yeah. I was still blaming Kimmy for things months later. Cause she was right. still an entity, you know, in my mind. And it took ages for those two entities to come together. Yeah. You know? That's rough. And so then another thing that's also like, there's so many layers to this. Like, like we said, it's like, it's a breakup. It's calling off a wedding. It's finding out that there's cheating. It's finding out that he made up all these other personalities. It's finding out that he made up cancer within it. Like there's so many levels. But then another layer to it is that he was supposed to be this like amazing Christian, Jesus loving guy. And he would like manipulate you spiritually a lot and say things to you like, you know, I'm just trying to love you the way like Christ calls me to love you or, you know, like biblically your parents are out of line or whatever. And like, you need to whatever, like he would just like quote the Bible at you to make you feel some type of way. How did that play into your healing too? Because I think some people that would like impact their faith, like in a huge way, they would kind of feel like, well, like now I don't know what I believe about God or whatever, or like, why would God let this happen or all those things? Like, how were you able to kind of separate out like your faith and what you believe about Jesus and like this crazy man who was saying things about Jesus that are like not true? Do you know what I mean? Yep. Very good (laughs) question. And I thank goodness. I think one thing that I didn't lose sight of was I had a healthy understanding that where there is, there can't be good without the opposite. Mm -hmm. So if this person was so evil and Mm -hmm. if something, if there was something that was such a terrible fraud, there had to be the real version. There had to be the opposite, Mm. you know, evil can't, good can't exist without evil. Otherwise good is not a thing, you know, without that opposite. So I suddenly was on this I went on like a wild tear to just hunt down the truth because I knew that he had defrauded me and he had Mm -hmm. falsified things. And I knew that there was a real version behind it. So, and for those, I know not everyone subscribes to this, but you know, with my beliefs and having a belief that there is a real enemy out there who does want to deceive. So he was trying to keep me from something that was good for me. So I'm, and, and I also knew 
the the crazy way that I was pulled out of everything. So backing up, if you remember on Sunday night when I was in prayer, something told me, these were not my thoughts, that Sunday would be pivotal. Right, right, Sunday right, right, right. was pivotal. Yeah. <laughs> not the way I thought it would be. So I still had this sense while there was this terrible thing that had happened and I didn't know who God was, I knew that he pulled me out mm-hmm. because I knew that I didn't pull myself out. My yeah. parents didn't pull me out. I knew that even in that moment of, you know, my boss's wife sitting me down and telling me something is way wrong and you're not okay. I still wanted to marry him. I didn't want out. <laughs> Knowing my yeah. friends and family hated him, I still wanted to marry him. Mm-hmm. So something outside of myself essentially rescued me. Yeah. I'm like, freaking get emotional now. But yeah, this is a rough time of the month to be telling the story to because I'm so <laughs> hormonal. <laughs> hey, I get it. You're preaching just to the choir here. Yeah. <laughs> so going back to that moment, I have a very real sense of, okay, what is this? Who is this that pulled mm-hmm. me out? Because it wasn't me. Yeah. And so that's, I just went on this hunt. And mm-hmm. thankfully, I mean, it, it wasn't clean. It wasn't pretty. I would scream and cry in my car. I was angry at God because I'm like, yeah, I know you rescued me, but also you could have prevented this whole thing. Sure. Yeah. Why? Like, what did I do to deserve, to deserve this? You know? Mm-hmm. And I think in those times, we can, something I realized over time is we can choose to look at God as the person who allows things to happen, or we can run to him when crap does happen. Because mm-hmm. we're not guaranteed that crap's not going to happen. We're actually guaranteed that life is going to be really hard. You know? Yeah. So yeah. that was who I, I just went on this massive quest for, okay, what happened to me? Mm-hmm. How can I make sure this never happens before? Like, what were the signs that I missed and how can I use this in the future? So that's why mm-hmm. I think I was so ready to tell Tiffany my story so soon because mm-hmm. I was still, it hadn't hit me how embarrassing it, it the shame of falling for this hadn't hit me yet. Mm-hmm. I was still just like, I can't believe this happened. And the world needs to know that there are people like that. Yeah. You know? so yeah, I just, Totally let it all out. And plus I knew this is so crazy that if I ever need to tell the story in the future, how I'd rather yeah. just, you know, get it all yeah. recorded now. And I can just yeah. say, listen to the podcast, which I have now done like a billion times. Right. Know? So once the shame hit me and everything, of, yeah. Oh, that is really embarrassing. How did I fall for that? You know, I had to then dig deeper and get more mm-hmm. education. And I had a couple accounts. I didn't do a lot of therapy. Um, I ended up actually working for an amazing therapist. And that was oh, really awesome. helpful because I was with her yeah. all day, every day. Um, but I did a couple of counseling sessions where mm-hmm. the guy that I met with, I'd known him for a long time and he just dug in there real deep. Cause I was like, yeah. I want to do the work. Don't be gentle. Like, let's just yeah. figure this out. And he just pulled away layer after layer mm-hmm. and was like, this is what you missed. This is what happened. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. I'm seeing it all and I can recognize it all and we're going to, you know, move forward. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't a clean break after that. It was unpacking for the next couple of years, but. Sure. So speaking of the next couple of years, so, you know, where were you at in terms of thinking like I can date again, or maybe I'll get married. Like, were you kind of like, no, never, I'm going to be single forever. Or did you feel like pretty clearly from the beginning, like, no, like you said, like, I know that there's a real version of this out there somewhere, or did you feel like you would never be able to trust yourself to find it? Like, how did you feel about that? Like finding love again? It was a mix because I knew that the real thing was out there, but my biggest fear was that I would mess it up for myself, that I Mm -hmm. wouldn't know, you know, how to move forward or that I would be too scared 
and that I would look, I would run from something good. You know, um, sure. I was a little nervous that I would fall for something again, mm-hmm. but I had so much reassurance from people telling me, you know, you've yeah. seen it once mm-hmm. you've seen it that clear, you know, you're not going to fall for it again kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I went back and forth. There were times where I was like, I could be happy single the rest of my life. And I knew that I wasn't just saying it to cope. I'm like, I actually could build a really happy life. Mm-hmm. But deep down, I hoped that it would work out that eventually I could share my life with someone. Yeah. Um, I wasn't looking forward to, I, I, in my mind, I wanted to be fully healed and everything to be perfect again and not be that person. That's like, well, I, you know, I've mm-hmm. had some trauma that, you know, there might be triggers yeah, yeah. we're going to have to work through together, you know? Right. But my, my boss who was a therapist was telling me, no, you need to, you know, basically get over yourself and realize that there are areas of healing that are beautiful that can only happen in the context of a healthy relationship. Mm. Not saying that you have to, you can build a very beautiful, happy, healthy life, but there are some areas that only the real thing can restore, you know? Yeah. And she was right. Oh, I love that. So before I get to your marriage, when something was wrong came out, did your ex-fiance like know about it? Like, does he know about it today? Do you know? Oh yeah. Well, so the, the other thing that I left out when I was telling the story is that he has the other reason that I don't understand how he had time for everything was because he is on the internet 24 seven. He has, I mean, talk about multiple personalities in real life with Kimmy and Brian and who else, who knows who else, but he has multiple social media accounts. He's on every platform but then he has multiple accounts on each of those platforms for what purpose. I don't know. You know, obviously some of them are just, you know, like stalking accounts so that he can go in, you know, and be incognito, but sure. He was the big joke was like, I don't know how he could hold down a job with how much he tweeted because Twitter was just his massive, you know, ego feed. Um, so he would, he reached out to Tiffany and he asked for her mailing address for legal purposes. She was like, like, no, I'm gonna, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Basically said, I'm laughing at you, get lost. Um, and he texted me and said, um, what's your mailing address for legal purposes? I didn't respond. I was like, dude, you you've been to my house. Yeah, you know, yeah. You know, what are you saying? He's yeah. trying to scare me. Yep. Um, and podcast listeners would reach out to us and let us know that they had found him and messaged him. His number was out there, and one brave guy somewhere in like Texas called him. And tried to, I don't remember what he said. I think he pretended to be someone else for a little while and tried to kind of reverse scam him. And then I am obsessed with this person. He, I I know it was too good to be true. It was amazing. I'm just like, sometimes you got to love, you know, what the internet brings out, but he pulled a fast one on him and like pulled out some line from the podcast that, you know, revealed who he was and probably messed with him. I just wish I could have heard it. I wish I could have been a fly on the wall. Wow. Um, there were people in his design sphere, cause he's a, a designer does like websites and stuff like mm-hmm. that user interfaces and stuff. Um, he follows and tries to engage with a lot of verified accounts on Twitter. That's his big thing. And his big thing was, Oh, you know, every celebrity he had a connection to every big financial guy or Dave Ramsey or whatever. Oh, they're dear friends, dear friends. And dear friends. Um, and didn't very- he say that he went to prom with Julianne Huff? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then his mom like showed a prom picture and it was like, that's not Julianne Huff. Some random chick. Yeah. <laughs> oh yep. God. I think 
he did go to the same high school as Julianne Huff back in the day. Okay. Um, before they moved to Colorado, because he was born in either Utah. Okay. And so I think whatever high school he went to, she also went to. That was as close as that connection got. I don't even know okay. if he even interacted with her. Um, we did confirm that he did not go to prom with Julianne Huff, but he <sighs> did the, you know, the classic narcissist name drop where he sure. knows everybody and he, everything that anybody ever mentioned to him, he had to know everything about it. One up. Him. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, but he, it, I haven't, I think the last time I heard from him, knock on wood, right. was, uh, two years ago. Last, was it last summer or the summer before? I think it was two summers ago. Okay. Um, and he created a fake account on Voxer of all things. And it was under this, he used this fitness models account and changed his name to Hunter and came up with whatever account or whatever business Hunter worked for mm-hmm. and made up this reason as to why he was reaching out to me on Voxer. And I'm pretty sure he reached out to my best friend on Voxer as well. Um, but the Yikes. funny thing is, is that he's not all that creative. Like once you know his writing style, mm-hmm. He's very limited in how he can change it up. So yeah. now I, I look back at Kimmy's texts and I'm like, this is 100% him. I yeah. recognize, you know, the, the typos, the same yeah. style and everything. So Hunter was 1000% my ex. Um, but I haven't heard anything since that I, you know, that I know of. Interesting. So then how did you meet? Because you're now a newlywed. Well, how long have you been married now? Uh, six months. We got married in February. Congratulations. So tell us about that though. Like how, like, how did you meet him and, and trust and go all in with this guy? I met him on Hinge. The same oh app. Oh my gosh, the same <laughs> app. I love but, you. Good for you. <laughs> caveat. So I already knew who he was. There was that. Okay. Okay. But okay. My joke was like, I mean, what are the odds that I'm going to meet two sociopaths on the same app, right? True. True. I already got that out of the way. Exactly. Um, but I, one of my close friends that I had worked with in the the office that I worked at at the time, you know, when everything went down, um, she went to church with this guy and I had kind of known of him and she was, her brother was close friends, was trying to get them set up. And so basically I could not hear the end of this guy every day, all day. We we're sitting there yeah. bored. We talked about boys and shopping and all this stuff. And she just went on and on and on about this guy. And I'm going, would you just shut up and actually do something so that I can hear about something else rather mm-hmm. than, you know, everything yeah. you have not taken action on. And yeah. I mean, I wasn't that mean, but she, um, it just didn't work. They like yeah. went on this cabin trip with a bunch of people and everything. And it was not, was not mm-hmm. compatible. And she, I would kept going, Nat, like this guy sounds amazing. And she started to go, actually, I think you two would hit it off really well, the more I think about it. And I'm going, well, no, no, you know, I didn't say this, but inside I'm thinking he's the one that got away for you. I'm not going to. Yeah. 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 That's weird. Um, but she kept saying, Sarah, I really have a feeling about you and Kirk and she does tend to self-sabotage. So with relationships, I mean, she's married Mm -hmm. now and kids and everything at the time she would run out of fear. All mm-hmm. the time. So I was not having it. I didn't believe her. Sure. Like, no, no, yeah, no. Yeah. So she met someone else, started dating him, had a baby. Meanwhile, I come across Kirk on this app and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's that guy. It's him. Yeah, yeah. So I don't talk to him. I like swipe left or whatever it was on Hinge. That yeah. was a no. But I didn't know that once you're in someone else's queue, if you say no to them, it doesn't necessarily remove you from their oh. queue. So he saw me and initiated a conversation. I'm like, okay, maybe just a little bit. A little yeah, time. yeah, 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 yeah. And he just 
the best way I can describe it from moment one, from talking to him was the feeling I had was just like open skies. There was, Mm -hmm. it was very still and peaceful. Mm -hmm. There wasn't, the only trepidation I had was my own, uh, like, I don't like the messiness of the Mm -hmm. beginning of a dating relationship. I hate the not knowing. That was interesting. Plus, I didn't know how I'd tell my friend Natalie, if this keeps going, how am I going to tell her I'm talking to the guy, you know? Um, I got off the dating app and I was like, hey, you can, we can connect on Facebook and just sort of let that live there. But I have a lot going on. I could feel that it was coming to the point where we were probably, he was going to ask me out, you know, to coffee or something. Mm-hmm. And at that point, pandemic was hitting. Oh, I had yeah. just started a new job and I had just moved into a new apartment and my life mm-hmm. was insane because my, yeah. where I worked was considered essential. We weren't closing down okay. and we had to totally change business models. Cause I was, yeah. in a, I was in mental health and we switched to teletherapy and it was mm-hmm. chaos. Yeah. So I thought that he lived like way out in a town that he didn't end up living in, but I didn't know that at the time. And I was just like, I've dated guys from there. I am not interested in going back to that area. And <sighs> I'm, you know, got this new job and apartment and pandemic. I don't want to date you, you know, I'll put yeah. you off. So we became friends on Facebook and just let it sit from there. Well, throughout mm-hmm. the year, as it was a very stressful year for everybody, we would still, he would respond to something I'd post. I'd respond to something of his. It was very casual. Um, we got talking more and more. I would be, I was on vacation a couple of times with my sister and a friend and they'd go, who is this guy? Cause everything that you have brought up about him and these girls, you want to talk about cynical, no one can get, I mean, they're brutal. They will <laughs> rip the guy to shreds and <sighs> enjoy every second of it. Mm-hmm. And everything that I said about Kirk, they were just like, tell us more about this mm-hmm. Kirk. Yeah. 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 So the year goes by and I decide to move to Tennessee. And I'd wanted to do it for a long time. I post on Facebook after I make the decision, hey, mm-hmm. extended friends and family, FYI, I'm moving. This Kirk guy comments and was like, oh yeah, me too. I'm oh like, my, oh. Me, meant to be. Yeah. So I, I instantly, I start messaging him. It's not like me. I don't usually initiate, but I yeah. jump right into the messages and I'm like, wait, tell me more. We yeah. go you know, on a date and come to find out his parents and sisters had already been in Tennessee for a while and he'd been oh. avoiding it. But yeah. he found out he was going to be an uncle. And for the sweetest Aww. reason ever, he's like, well, I want, that's it. I want to be an uncle in person. Aww. So he decided to move. So it was just what my heart needed. I yeah. think things came together very, very quickly, but in a very peaceful, smooth way. And I wasn't sure. forcing anything. Yeah. So did you ever have like weird, like PTSD type responses? If you and Kirk had like any kind of conflict or anything like if he did anything weird at all were you like oh my god like you know what I, or did you really not feel like that came in at all we definitely had some rough spots and mm-hmm. he he even like the other day just mentioned that i would react strangely to certain things so for a while if he would say something i would immediately feel like he was saying that i was stupid or that i didn't know what i was talking about okay um or he laughed at something I said one time and it was the exact same way that my ex had laughed very condescendingly because he would kind of like, oh, you know, oh, my little mm-hmm. Frenchie. He would call me his little Frenchie or my little snowflake uh-huh. because I was just very sensitive. Uh-huh. And Kirk laughed at something that I said that was in contradiction. He said something and I was like, oh no, I thought it was, I thought it was this way. And he mm-hmm. went, <laughs> and laughed yeah. and I lost lost it, it. Yeah. but my way of losing it is shutting down my brain just started freaking out and I was driving mm-hmm. and like 20 minutes later he goes are you okay and I just burst into tears mm. and I was just like yeah I'm fine I'm fine and it was not it was a mess it was sure horrible. but yeah. process through it it was kind of shocking for him because he was just mm-hmm. like I didn't I, I just laughed and I went no you didn't 
you did yeah. not just laugh. I know what you did. And I just came at him and he was very gentle, very like, I'm so sorry. I did not. Mm-hmm. That was not where I was coming from. You're mm-hmm. right. You're right. You know, that. Yeah. anyway, that happened multiple times um, yeah. where I would shut down and he would sense that something was off and I wasn't okay. Mm-hmm. Or I would like lash out, not lash out, but kind of snap back a little bit to, to sure. hold my ground. Yeah. And he would go, hey, I'm not, I'm not questioning you. I'm yeah. not challenging you. I respect, you know, where you stand, but I was just so used to having to fight for every little thing that now well, yeah. that I've gained a sense of self. If someone rolls their eyes at it, it still upsets me to an unhealthy degree. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm I understand like, that. I'm, I don't, I'm easygoing. I don't, you mm-hmm. know, I don't stir or like cause conflict mm-hmm. and I'm very hesitant to speak my mind. So if I do present an opinion that might be different mm-hmm. and someone else laughs at me, I flip and yeah. I, I'm still kind of working through it, but at least I, you know, Kirk and I are at the point now where I haven't gotten upset in anything. And we did the last time for a while, the last time I got upset, I was actually, thank goodness, able to stop and then go, what did you mean? You know, try to yeah. you know, control my emotion right. and go, when totally. you said this and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, know, trying yeah. to cry. He, and he's very understanding. He never, mm-hmm. yeah, he's very, in fact, I remember one time I had a migraine on the trip out when we were driving and I was holding it in for so long. I didn't realize that I was trying not to inconvenience him and I couldn't hold the tears in. And he looked over and he goes, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm okay. I'm okay. And he actually got mad that I hadn't told him. He goes, why won't you just tell me it's human to not feel well and it's okay to cry. And Mm -hmm. so we pulled over and I, you know, kind of shifted around so I could feel better. And he goes, would you please just cry? Like, please just, (laughs) just, you know, let it out. It's okay. And I'm good. Yay. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah. You know, so we worked through a lot. (laughs) Yeah. But see, that's like, I'm sure what makes your relationship as strong as it is today. You know, you got to work through that stuff. Yeah. Before I let you go, just like, what would you say to someone who's listening to this? Who's maybe like in a relationship and they feel like Maybe things aren't 100% right. How can someone distinguish between like normal relational struggles mm. and maybe like you are with someone who you shouldn't be? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, talk to a professional. Yeah. Don't wait. And I know a lot of people hold back because good therapy is expensive mm-hmm. and it's, you know, it can be hard to get in. If you cannot, Find someone that has a relationship that I like you admire is my best, you know, second thing, like someone that you've looked up to that you're, you would trade lives with them. Like you really respect their dynamic or whatever, Mm -hmm. and just have an honest conversation and tell them everything and say, do you feel that, you know, this person has my best interest at heart or have someone you trust and open a lot of time. I think we discredit how much other people see and observe in our, in our relationships, but they respect our space or they assume that we are okay with things, but we might not know that that's not okay. You know? So I think we end up going on and on, no one's saying anything. And then later, of course, you find if something does happen, you Mm -hmm. find out, oh, these people had all these opinions and you didn't know, you know? So maybe pick someone that you feel safe with and trust and give them a door and let them know, hey, it's okay if you hurt me right now, I need you to tell me Mm -hmm. if you feel that I'm in something that's good for me. I love that. And then what if it's reversed? What if someone's listening to this and they're thinking like, 
I have this friend who is dating this person and I am feeling weird about it, but she's not coming to me or he's not coming to me and asking for my opinion. Like, what do you think having gone through it would be the best way for someone to speak to it or not or whatever? First, like I've had this conversation and I think the conclusion that I keep coming to is there is no formula. Sure. That scenario is sucky. It's, It's so frustrating and sucky is, you know, not not the proper word for it, but it's awful. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on the relationship, it, like if someone is open, you you are risking losing them. Um, right. But the thing is, I, I would think sometimes depending on the relationship, it is worth saying something because if you lose them, you might only lose them for a short time, but they will not forget what you said. Mm-hmm. And then later, if something else does happen, they will remember. And mm-hmm. all they need to know, I think if, if they shut you out of their life, move on. That's okay, mm-hmm. but make sure that they know that you're there if they want to come back. Because yeah. the chances are high that they're not actually in their right mind or they've been manipulated somehow. So they're not thinking straight. So mm-hmm. their rejection of you is not actually a rejection of you. It's a state, it's a, it's a sign of where they're at. Yeah. Mentally, you know, because right. it can feel hurtful or it can feel like, oh my gosh, did I make a mistake yeah. in telling someone that this person isn't safe or isn't good for them? And right. Not necessarily. It's just that that person is choosing, you know, to reject that reality pretty much and move on. But sometimes it, it, and if you want to know how to approach it, I think Mm -hmm. what a lot of people, what I've seen and what I've done with people is ask a lot of questions that spark critical thinking in that person. And you Mm -hmm. can say, almost play dumb and say, I've observed this. I noticed that you're this and this. Is everything okay? You know, out Mm -hmm. of concern. And then, okay, okay. And just let it be if they're yeah. not receptive to any more conversation, because they're not going to forget what you said. So if all you can do is plant a seed that, mm-hmm. Hey, you don't seem okay. Cause maybe deep down they're wondering if they're not okay, but they're writing it off. Cause in my mind, I was looking for signs that this wasn't okay, but nobody was telling me, yeah. you know, or re- I, if you think, you know, remember back, I was like, something's not adding up, but I can't find something that's telling me mm-hmm. outwardly that this is wrong. So I'm just going to move forward. You know, so you never know what's going on deep down in someone's mind where someone's wondering, is this really the best that I can do? Or why am I feeling conflicted? You know, they might Mm -hmm. need that little confirmation, but just know that it might risk losing that relationship. I have heard too, that a lot of people have sent a friend or sister-in-law or brother, you know, someone, uh, the something was wrong podcast or like Mm. an episode like this, where it comes across as just a crazy story. And in the end, it ends up being very educational and people get their eyes open and they realize, wait, my person does that, you know? Yeah. Like, ugh. and it brings me back to, and this is why it's so important that we share our stories. Cause you just, you never know who's going to hear it and be like, oh, that's weird. Like that kind of like struck a chord with me in an odd way. You know what I mean? Um, so we just cannot thank you enough for being willing to be open and share truly, because I know that it's hard Because when you open yourself up and share your story, you're immediately opening yourself up for some people to scrutinize or whatever, you know what I mean? Or make an opinion. And I know that that's hard. And so I just so appreciate you doing this, taking the time to share with us. I know it's going to help so many people. I hope so. That's, you know, makes it all worth it. I say it a lot, but I'm like, if one good good thing can come out of it, it's that it's hearing that other people, you know, feel validated unless someone makes it worth it. (laughs) Absolutely. 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 Well, Sarah, thank you so much for coming on So What Else. 
Oh, thanks for having me. And thanks for sticking it out this long. Absolutely. I loved every second of it. You're awesome. Good. Good. Well, thanks for having me. I love what you're doing. I appreciate your podcast a lot. You're really good at it. Oh, thank you. Of course. Thanks so much. You rock. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CaitlinElliott.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. And hey, if you want to toss us a five-star rating, I would love you forever. Check us out next week for another new episode. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at so.what.else. Editing and all that stuff by Matt Carpenter with Parable Productions.